All right, hey everybody, Billy Rainford from Direct Motocross here. We got another video, uh, Zoom video interview. Today, what we're gonna do, uh, this one is brought to you by Yamaha Motor Canada. So thanks to Yamaha for always backing up uh, Direct Motocross and the stuff that we do here. We've got, uh, since it is Wednesday, Wednesday is kind of traditionally our women's motocross day. We do our, um, our Out of the Blue, which uh, we'll get to that, but our Out of the Blue guy who actually sponsors it is Rick Bradshaw from Schrader Motors, Schrader's out there in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. I've got Rick on the uh, interview right now. Rick, how you doing? Good morning, Billy. I'm doing good. We're doing okay out here. How about you? Uh, doing all right. Back uh, our summer looks like it just started yesterday afternoon and now. So we've got uh, screen doors open behind me. We've got uh, summer-like weather hitting us now. Finally, it's been brutal here. How about there? Same thing. We, uh, yeah, summer probably yesterday, the first warm day. We had a couple nice days for an afternoon and then it crazy winds for a while and it's been very similar to what you guys have i talked to a few friends out there and it seems to be consistent across the country we're all suffering together yeah except you can't talk to anybody west of the uh the coastal mountains everybody over there they're uh they've had a great spring so now you can make phone calls to bc yeah well that's a different country when you cross the mountains it always the country always changes so a little different <laughs> yeah. <over there. laughs> yeah they'll probably get the rain now though anybody listening to this i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> I know. and they're good people all right, so Rick, we got Rick from uh, Schrader. Do you say Schrader's or do you say Schrader Motors? Do you just say Schrader's? I usually just say Schrader's. Uh, Schrader's Honda Yamaha Suzuki is too much of a mouthful, and you know who knows? We might add more stuff. I got still chainsaws and stuff now too, so you'd have to add that in. So we'll just go with Schrader's. Is that how you say that? Schrader's. No, the brand. Steel. I think it's steel. Steel chainsaws. You said still a second ago. I know I said it wrong. I'm from the prairies. We have stills. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. We're only making COVID uh, creams and, and, and antiseptic stuff. There's not, nothing else being made in stills. Okay. All right. I gotcha. Okay. So let's, uh, let's uh, back it up here. So we got, like I say, we got Rick Bradshaw. He owns uh, York. He's up in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. It's kind of, uh, I've been there, been there a couple of times. You're at, you're at a new house, right? You're, I haven't been to your new place. No, you haven't. Moved about five years ago. Yeah. You'll have to come visit. Yeah, you got to get closer to the main highway. <laughs> I know you miss us all the time. <laughs> all right, so let's let's take it way back. I mean, uh, there's lots of stuff to talk about. I mean, you've been involved in this industry for heck a long time, from the days of the white suits. Uh, we got, of course, we got to joke about that. We'll uh, we'll talk about that. But uh, let's let's take it way back. I mean, um, uh, can I ask how old you are? Yeah, fifty-four. Fifty-four years old. So take it way back. I mean, this is going to be into a different era for a lot of people watching this. It's like well, actually, a lot of people that watch these are older anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, we're all in the same boat. But how did you get started in motocross, Rick? Um, ride a dirt bike out in the field. Um, and a friend of my dad had a dealership. And a friend of my uh, dad's that used to race snowmobiles took me out to the track at, uh, out of town about 1977. He was in a gravel pit at a farmer's yard. And uh, um Met the guys there, uh, kind of a famous local racer named Rick Dawson, who's still a very good friend of mine. First guy to take me to a race in '79, and yeah, um, that track that I was went to then, um, the people that owned it, um, still friends with them. And actually, the uh, uh, son and the granddaughter both work for me of that facility, and it went two years ago. Yeah, so we're. Um, and they all still ride bikes, and, and uh, it goes way back, you know, gravel pit, 
you probably rode in one too. That's what we had. It wasn't really a fancy track, but it was somewhere to ride. Okay, now this, I have this conversation with a lot of people and, and, I, I, and I think it's actually an important kind of aspect of where our sport's going and how it's changed and stuff. I mean, back in those days, that's where it all started. I mean, your people, gravel pits, you got a dirt bike, you went out and then you kind of progressed to racing. You as a, as, a, uh, as a dealer, obviously, you see the beginnings of it. You see people go through their careers and stuff, coming into shopping and stuff. Has that changed? Like, has our sport, like you say, now it's kind of there's practice facilities, there are tracks. But is it different? I mean, how, do, how are kids getting into the sport these days? Very true. Um, certainly more serious people getting into it as a sport, as a, a family choice or a parent choice, maybe. And this is what my kid's going to do. We're going to ride bikes. Um, we're going to do it properly. We're going to have some training. We're going to get the right equipment. Um, so that that's an aspect. But interesting with this, uh, not to jump ahead, but with this uh, COVID, um, our era around here with so many farms and stuff, we still have places to ride. And with kids not being able to play hockey and not having anything to do, we've seen uh, more parents who rode bikes as kids, bringing their kids in and giving them a dirt bike. Um, maybe with a little bit more equipment than the old, you know, rubber boots that you started in and uh, I started in, but uh, yeah. And they're actually, this, this grassroots thing has actually started the last two months, month and a half um, because kids don't have much to do. There's not a lot of sports to do. And there is still a fair bit of the dirt that is accessible in our area. You know, we, you can, you can find a place to ride, even if the riding facilities weren't necessarily open, there was a place to go, go play. So that's a nice little change. Maybe in five or 10 years, we'll have more people with an interest in motorcycling because they actually got to ride bikes as a kid that they might not have had that opportunity before. But yeah, it's definitely different. Um, you know, hardcore training, you know, uh, Tendi Lutz, you obviously know her quite well, um, you know, and, and other, Renee and with uh, a number of riders that came through here and that took it to the next level and took it very seriously. You've got to respect them. and. And, and and really appreciate what they did but i love the kids coming in with just a big smile on their face saying it's their first time ever riding a dirt bike and they they, they just enjoying the sport so both yeah. times and i would know what do you think too like that like you said uh, kennedy and uh, and danae um you get into it and you're so serious now do you think that affects longevity like i mean maybe some kids it's just too much pressure too much training too much like dirt biking we all i, I mean i don't know i'm just kind of spitballing here but it kind of you get into it because it's fun and then is it are you when you now it used to be fun until you got up to the pro levels you know what i mean you were still having fun the whole way up when you're kids but now maybe the fun's gone when they're younger you know what i mean now it's like cracking the whip and stuff it can be i mean uh i ended up at a track with uh not with my parents but with some uh older guys who hauled me out to the track and you know taught me the ways of the world and hauled me to races and my parents came and watched once in a while but it was just fun and i think it just depends on your level, um, you've seen it. You've seen that kid that comes out and, and, and it's winning right away. So they, they want to win more and they want to do more and they learn and, and, and advance. And then all of a sudden, the next class, the higher class gets a little harder. And you know what happens when you hit pro for 85% of them, they, they don't win anymore. So uh, it's an easy time to say, well, I'm done. I'm done with the sport. Um, but some of them that have quit just, you know, quit because they reality kicked in and adulting kicked in and they have to uh they have to settle down and do stuff but uh some of us that stuck around forever are the guys that just enjoyed going out to the the gravel pit and burning some tanks of fuel and and having some fun and we weren't necessarily the fastest guys out there we just 
like to do it. So I guess you got to keep the fun in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, I mean, I'm it's, sure it's different a bit, but I mean, obviously it's still, it's the same, but different. There's uh, I mean, it's always there's progression and everything. And like you say, you keep it, it's like every sport you get into it just to give it a try. And the next thing you know, you kind of start progressing. It's all progression and the better you get, the more aggressive and, you know, aggressive and, and serious about it you get and that's you know whatever so anyway and like I always joke behind every champion is a uh, is a parent that the kids don't get along with anymore <laughs> <laughs> yep. you know what I mean so there's definitely whips being cracked and just to get to that next level what it takes is just uh, I'm always impressed by that and uh, and families that still talk to each other yep yep they made it through all that and 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 still kept a little bit of fun a little bit of sanity and and uh, you know maybe carried on in advance and some of them decide okay as a, as a collective, they decided, no, okay, we're done with this. This is the end of it. But I hope they still stay riding. But, you know, you and I both know that some of them, um, the hardcore ones, it's hard. It's, sometimes it's cold turkey. It's like a done, cut off, I don't ride anymore. And then a couple of years later, they start sniffing around the bike shop and thinking that maybe they should have some fun again. But it's tough. Yeah, it's so funny. That is so true, right? But Especially the kids that, it seems like the kids that quit younger have a hard time coming back to the races right away. They don't want to be at the track unless they're racing, even with injuries and stuff like that too, right? You, you get injured, you just stay away. Then there are the kids that get injured and still want to hang out with their buddies and stuff. So it's kind of a, I just, I always find the, the psychology side of the of sports, competitive sports, very interesting. Um, had a very good conversation with a friend of mine about that on the weekend, but yeah, definitely. The, yeah, yeah. The thought processes. Yeah, yeah, and there's, yeah, I mean, you can, you can look at, and I don't even know which one is the right one, like, you can tell kids that are having, that just love to ride, are they going to be the ones that succeed, or you can see the ones that have to work their butts off, and are they the ones, so it's kind of a mixture, right, so I just, I don't know, like I say, I always try to, that's why I enjoy the amateur side of it so much, I like seeing which kids progress, and who we lose in the sport, and who stays in, and, and you see the kids that are, are winning, it's like, oh, didn't really see that one coming, or maybe you did, but anyway, it's just, just interesting, but I want to go back, like, obviously, you've raced at all levels, when you first started, I always ask this question. What was your first race number, and why did you pick your race number? Oh, uh, number 29. Uh, a friend of mine sitting beside me in school when I was filling out that CMA application. <laughs> at, uh, I don't know, I think it was probably like grade 8 math or something. And I said, oh, I need a number. I don't have a number because I wasn't a team sport guy, so I didn't have a number. And he bellered out, 29 is a good number. Mike so Palmatier? Pardon me? Mike Palmatier, the Toronto Maple Leafs goalie? Yeah, there you go. See, no idea. None. That's a stick and ball sport, Billy. I don't follow. <laughs> so, my buddy goalie. Yeah, so I had number 29, and that was that was my number. And, uh, you know, I'd go over to race in Manitoba as I was coming up, and, and there was a jerk over there, and it had number 29. I have to put an X on my bike. hated that jerk. His name's Scotty Harlan, by the way, if you're talking. <laughs> He's still number by 29 way, in my heart. Yeah, and he's, you know what, and, and, and he's, he's one of my best friends. He's a good guy, but we still joke that, yeah, I hated that guy at the other province with 29. But uh, anyway, simple story. Uh, yeah, I was 145, and then some guy stole my 145. So we, instead of, we had the Preston Petty plate, so he had those plastic numbers that you could move around. So, of course, we just moved them around. So I became 451 for a, a year, and all our phone numbers in my area were 451. They started, so I looked, looked terrible. It was a horrible phone number number. Terrible. Anyway, I got it back in that number, number. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. I would have been um, 306 then. Was that? I would have been 306 then. Oh, yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay, well, let's, uh, let's, 
since we since we got you on here, I know uh, you're a couple hours behind us here in Ontario. I know you're uh, opening up your shop there. Um, are you opening up your shop? How are things going at the shop? Traders, we're talking here. Yeah, we uh, we really didn't close. Um, word came down from our provincial government that uh, ATV and and uh, boat dealers and such have snowmobile dealers have to close. Um, so didn't know what to do. We were already taking everything pretty serious and watching what we did. And uh, a couple dealer friends called the hotline to say, how's the supply? Because they did not close motor vehicle dealers. And we sell street legal motorcycles, which motor vehicle dealers. They also said, if you provide services to an essential service, uh, farmers, uh, you don't have to close. So it got a little confusing. A um, couple phone calls later, we did not have to close. We provide water pumps and ATVs to a lot of farm clients and we do sell motor vehicles. So we took it, uh, we locked the door and let people in with some rules, but we still let people in. And we did that for probably two, three weeks. I closed one Saturday, that was it. Just lacked staff. And after that, uh, we've been going full board. Um, April was very busy. Um, it was, uh, uh, again, people with used to keeping kids busy, playing other sports, but they have access to a dirt bike or access to dirt, they were coming in. And our farm clients, of course, they virtually didn't, I mean, nothing stopped for them. It was straight work, so. Um, and rolling into May, it's been just as busy. We've been, we've been swamped, so. Uh, and probably more swamped because there's more phone calls, there's more emails, there's, there's uh, Facebook messages, there's Instagram messages. It's, it's trying to figure out how to answer everyone it takes more time, but yeah. We're doing okay. Wow, there's going to be some uh, people listening to this that maybe own dealerships that aren't in such a good, uh, a good loophole situation. There, that's I mean, good for you. That's awesome to hear. How about uh, staffing? Was it easy? Did staff was on board? Anybody say they didn't want to come to work, or was it just fine? No, no. Uh, I'll start naming names later, but no, kidding. Um, no, they were they were great. Our staff has been amazing, and and you know what? We've got uh, staff that have uh, uh, spouses and that work in healthcare, so there are some concerns, but they we blocked some areas off and kind of controlled where you walked and what you did. And uh, one person, Danae, um, had to go home due to daycare. Uh, her daycare shut down, so she went home with her two little ones. So we miss having her here with all of our accessory business going on. But uh, everyone else has been here full time and and, uh, and running. And, and you know what? I do respect that there's many dealers and many, many, many businesses that are suffering through this. And uh, we certainly suffered the first few weeks when it was first announced. March, we were way down. I didn't know whether I should be closing, laying off staff. I didn't know which way, what direction to go. But as things turned around, uh, like I said, we're, we're doing okay now. So yeah. hopefully it carries on. Well, that's good to hear. Good to hear. And uh, obviously, Schraders and you uh, have always been behind our Out of the Blue column, which is going to be out today. Um, Jeff McConkie always did that, but uh, now uh, Jensen Amiot has uh, taken the reins there. So that's kind of fun that we can keep it going. That's for sure. Uh, hey, speaking of which, who was it? Was it uh, who came up with out of the blue? I, I I think I did, but I don't know if I did or not. I don't know. We'll give it to you. I know I know it wasn't me, so we'll give it to you. <laughs> I think it was a Yamaha Blue thing, and and I think Yamaha actually sponsored uh, something to do with women's to start with. And I said, you should do an out of a out of the blue column and it was more the blue plates and the blue bikes at that time but work went together. I, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. We'll give it we'll give it to you, Rick, for sure. For sure. I tell everybody it was you. Ah, uh, thanks, buddy. <laughs>
Okay, now, um, uh, yeah, well, we talked about a few things there that I wanted to hit on, but uh, certainly, let's, um, I mean, coming up through the uh, 1980s racing and stuff like that, who, who were your, uh, who was your main competition coming up there in Saskatchewan and moving into the pros and stuff back in your day? Well, of course, uh, uh, Kevin Ferguson was the, the pro of pros when I was in the amateur stuff. He, you know, he had Team Yamaha support. He was on that big Team Yamaha poster that we'd all like to find a copy of. You know which one I'm talking about. Um, and that Scotty Lockhart and a whole bunch of guys on it. Um, and uh, Brent Shuri was coming up at that time and a fellow by the name of Wayne Jones. And there's there quite a few guys that you idolized as coming up as an amateur. Um, 83 when I hit uh, expert at that time. Remember, it was expert. We weren't pros. We were expert. Um, uh, would have been friends of mine moved up with me, a guy by the name of Darwin Jans, James Boyanko, Don Stinsky, of course, my riding partner, Rick Dawson, um, um, Blair Morgan's older brother, Grant Morgan. We were all about the same age, and we all moved up about that same time uh, to mix it up with the seasoned guys. And uh, most of us didn't. Uh, reality was Brent Shuri was a leap above us, and uh, rightfully so. He was, Brent was a, hardcore rider and rode in the States and um, the rest of us just sort of like to hang around Saskatchewan and hit an Alberta and Manitoba race once in a while, but all, still all a good group of guys, you know, that, that whole era was, was fun. And we got to see all the fast guys from Alberta would come over once in a while. Ross would show up with two bikes crammed in a pickup truck and Zoli would show up and, and uh, both senior and junior and, and uh, Darren Shruga and a whole bunch of guys out of that Alberta area. So. Um, but luckily I'm still friends with, uh, you know how it is with old moto friends, you know, you start in the late seventies, early eighties and, you know, you're still friends with them now. You bump into them sometime and you can tell stories and, and relive some glory days. You have a Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah. 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 See, you're lucky, obviously being in the dealership side of it, me doing what I do, I get to travel around. So yeah, it's funny the people, especially with the, uh, internet, it looks like it's here to stay. Uh, you know, in fact, I was just chatting with some guys that I used to race with back in the day. Yesterday, some names came up, and there was some bit of bickering going on on our uh, Instagram page. It was kind of fun, but uh, guys that I used to race with back in the, back in back way back in the day as well. But uh, anybody, I mean, Ross Peterson, obviously the winningest rider we've got, we've ever had. Well, I don't think anybody will ever win more than he did. Do you have any? I always ask people if they have any fun uh, Ross stories. Like you say, he came over, and I'm sure he came over with his bikes in a thing and just cleaned up or whatever. But do you have any uh, any Ross stories? No, just uh, lapping me at the 35-minute mark at the Austin National, and I was probably a squid because it was Austin knee-deep stand, and I was tired, and I was probably taking multiple lines. And when he lapped me, he put his handle on my back and, and knocked me to the ground, and, and I think he yelled at me. But it's okay. I didn't knock him down. So, you know, at least I didn't crash him. So. But other than that, no, Ross would come over, and uh, he was pretty, you know, at a local race. He was actually a pretty friendly guy. He used to hang out in Saskatchewan a bit. And, he didn't have a lot of pressure. He'd come over here and pretty much do what he wanted. So, um, and that was the old days of uh, contingency money. So he probably went home with, you know, waiting for a check from Yamaha or Suzuki for twelve, fifteen hundred bucks, which wasn't a bad weekend back in the eighties. So. That's amazing. So not many people can say they took a hand, Ross Peterson handlebar to the back though. So that's kind of a that's a badge of honor. <laughs> badge of honor, yeah. Austin <laughs> Sandtrack, yeah. Yeah, I went looking. I went looking for that. I pulled off at the Austin uh, turnoff, and I couldn't find where it was. I just kind of pulled off, and there's like a little rest area there. I kind of sat and I don't know. I took a picture of something and said, "Well, I'm in Austin. Where's this sand track everybody talks about?" 
it was a hell of a track. But oh well, it was fun. That uh, Austin versus Gopher Dunes. Um, Austin probably just back in the day was uh, obviously less uh, manicured, right? So it just got rough, and of course motos were forty-five minutes, so it was just ugly. You know, I remember guys stopping for fuel at, at uh, the Yamahas. I think the tanks were too small, so they had to top up with fuel the last lap or two. The fast guys, us slow guys, we didn't twist the throttle enough. We were okay. We kept the yeah. You're getting better. You're getting much better mileage. Yeah, better mileage. That, I was conserving energy. Me <laughs> and the bike. Well, Rick, what was the uh, what was the best national number you ever got? None. You never I did. Never got a national point. No national points back then. You remember we're top ten. And I only rode a handful of nationals and, and finished, you know, 30th. So no points for 30th, maybe 40th. Who knows what I got? They didn't, I don't even think they posted after the top 20. So, um, but we circulated, put it that way. Uh, Antler Edmonton National was a lot more fun. I remember riding that after Austin. And I enjoyed the Antler Lake track uh, a lot more. It was, uh, you know, more of a legitimate national. But I only rode uh, a handful of nationals. Did you ever throughout the Supercross races? Uh, stadium Cross. We had uh, Arena Cross in Regina and Saskatoon. Nope, Regina and Winnipeg. And we had a stadium race in Saskatoon for a couple of years. And it was um, good money, uh, big purses, and, you know, circulated, tried, tried not to hit the ground. And, of course, you know, what it was like, we showed up with uh, – stock suspension and bounced around on a arena cross track with zero training it was part of the show i guess <laughs> yeah yeah i guess back to, uh depending on the level you're at we didn't really uh, worry too much about that but uh show up and give it a go not understand why it was so difficult but uh okay speaking of uh the cma and who came why was it called senior by the way intermediate was called senior whose idea was that was that your idea no yeah i want to say it was british Blame, blame a lot of that, that CMA history stuff, the old stuff. I, I can go with it being British because I think they took a lot of stuff from the ACU. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Now, now, sorry. Now, speaking of uh, CMA, now you stayed involved with these guys and you've been an official and everything like that, been involved with it. Tell us how that started. Uh, give us the CMA story. Um, it's actually a funny story. I put on a, a race in Yorkton, a stadium cross race in front of our fairground grandstands in I think 86, but I don't know. Um, Fairboard came to me, maybe 85. But anyway, we built a track and, and advertised it. And CMA, I phoned the CMA place to get it sanctioned. And they told me I couldn't do it as a super cross. I had to call them a stadium cross. So I grumbled and changed the posters to a stadium cross. Um, and uh, put this thing on. And, and uh, I think the CMA vice president at the time, Bob St. Goddard out of Winnipeg, a very good official, he came down for that race we got a lot of big riders at it and i remember bob i'm doing doing registration i'd never put on a race before in my life so we're getting we got people doing a registration everything's going and bob does a nice little track inspection and everything's good he's very happy with everything we got uh it's during the fair we got a you know thousands of spectators coming and uh, bob says so uh who do you have lap counter oh lap counter we have to do that I just assumed that that magically happened and people showed up and did that. So um, I had to run around and get my girlfriend, now wife, Maureen, and her mom and a few people. By the way, you're lap counting all day. 
yeah, owe some favors for that. But uh, um, a couple years later, uh, I got voted in as a rider rep provincially. And then uh, uh, there was a little bit of uh, uh, headbutting amongst the two top people in the region. Um, and uh, as a rider rep, I stuck in and tried to uh, get everyone to be friends. Seems to be I'm still doing that now. Anyway, um, did that, and that was about 87, and at the end of 87, they, the elections came up, and they said, why don't you run for region chairman, president, whatever they called it. I was just a 20-something-year-old motocrosser, but I did, and uh, at that time, they changed the bylaws, so the region chairman became the, uh, sat on the national board, so instantly, I went from knowing nothing about national organizations right to the national board and uh, learn from some very good people there how uh, how boards work and how people run stuff and went from there um somewhere in there i got a ref license too i can't remember but i you know whatever we needed one i could at least chip in nice nice i, I always like talking to guys you know the guys who've been around for a while and kind of have seen the progress and change and everything we did that long uh, interview with uh carl bastido i mean you want to talk about a guy who's seen everything on every side of the sport man that i just i knew i don't know if you listened to that one or watched it ever but i just basically said all right carl and go tell us what you know and it was just just i thought it was amazing if you go back if, if you haven't watched that one actually our website was down so i'll uh, i'll put that back up on our website so if you didn't happen to see it you can watch that but uh yeah super interesting and same with you i mean you've, you've watched things change change hands national series motocross of the nation stuff all that kind of stuff so i mean you've kind of uh you've kind of seen it all, all. he's pretending he's popular now He's waving. He's waving as if somebody's behind him or ahead of him. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a, let's, um, I mean, let's, uh, you know, I won't, I won't keep you here too long. I know you got to go uh, close some deals. ABC, Rick, ABC. Um, what's that? Uh, yeah, sorry. I just gave me a war Zoom gave me a warning here. But uh, um, if I threw you on the spot here and asked you to tell us the greatest race you ever saw, would you be able to tell us? No. Nothing popped into your head just now? Nothing? No, nothing. No. Um, I can't think of I can't think of one that stands out. It's all lots of many, many good moments. Of course, for thirteen years or whatever it was, more than that. Sixteen years. However many years we officiated Toronto Supercross and uh Vancouver there for a few years. Um, when you're on the floor you don't see anything. You really don't when you're down there officiating you don't really watch it you go home and watch it on on tv but you don't see it so i'm sure some of those were good um <laughs> but uh i honestly can't nothing jumps out i was either you know on the track with them and i think i've seen some uh uh amateur stuff uh, local things that i really enjoyed watching as a you know maybe as a rider or as a fan i guess but uh i can't think of a pro level race that jumps out at all how about you what's your what's your favorite Oh, I got lots. We just, no, we're not, uh, I'm asking the questions here, Rick. Um, oh, right away. Can't turn it around on you. Okay. No, 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 not today. But hey, uh, you've always had, uh, you know, a rider, a marquee rider. We're talking, there a lot of female, a lot of uh, WMX riders, Kennedy Lutz, uh, Danae Giroud, Danae Arnett now. Um, who do you got right now? Who, who do we uh, keep an eye on coming out of the uh, Schrader's factory there? We don't have a lot of uh, top riders at the moment. Uh, local riders more than anything. Of course, once we uh, sort of went big with uh, Sean Moffenbeyer and with uh, Danae with the Yamaloop team, um, 
prior to that, we had a writer named Dustin Pretty and Harry Daku, who uh, uh, is actually, Harry Daku goes back about 20 years, but he is actually in charge of Skidoo brand uh, racing worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a little, he's from Regina, but he lives in Minnesota now, and a few other riders like that. You know, rolling forward, we had uh, uh, the Bureau Brothers, um, who did very well. You remember them qualifying at Regina right up top, in top 10. And Kennedy and Danae were standouts. Um, we helped Talon Unger out of Alberta last year a little bit. Um, rolling into this year, I've got a lot of local riders who, uh, you know, some up-and-comers, some families. Um, some There are some pro-level riders, but no one that's going to attack the Nationals necessarily. Uh, like to say, we're helping out uh, Lawrence Ham in Manitoba. And uh, he's starting a, a women's team, and we're trying to help him because Lawrence goes way back with uh, racing and, and everything. And we, again, one of those connections from the 80s. And uh, he's trying to build the women's side of the sport, and I still believe strongly in that. So when he came to me, we did what we could. Um, I guess that's about it. Okay. Yeah, actually, I put a picture of it. Turns out it wasn't him, but uh, Kyle Biro kind of. Came to, uh, you know, he's an up-and-coming kid. We all had our eyes on him. Then he had that horrible bad luck at uh, the Transcan. I mean, I got some pretty emotional photos of him after his bike just quit on him and stuff like that. But And then disappeared, just decided to turn his back on the sport. And I, I spoke briefly to his mom, but uh, do you know what uh, what Kyle's doing these days? They're back in Yorkton. Uh, they kept one bike. Uh, the younger brother, Jared, rides occasionally, just goes out and has a smile on his face. And Kyle rode. Uh, for the first time in probably four years, um, this spring he's been out at the track, and uh, I saw someone whipping a bike through the air, and I went, "Who the heck's that?" And it was Kyle. Um, he's uh, gone to school to be a heavy-duty mechanic. Uh, he's adulting. Um, got a house, I think, and and working towards a a life. And and again, like we just talked about, thinking about you know at least through a leg over a bike first time in four years, and thinking, can he go out and have fun without trying to win everything? Because uh, you know, he was just, they were so competitive. They trained in the States. And you saw them at many of the mini-O's and stuff, but that was their thing. And uh, now they're just enjoying some family time and uh, uh, camping a little bit and relaxing and being human. <laughs> well, good for him. I, I mean, it's nice to hear that he went to school and he's got a, you know, got a good job. He's uh, making some money, buying some, buying a bike and stuff like that. So that's cool to hear. And uh, it's funny that the older you get to, when you leave the sport and try to come back, it just, it's just frustrating. You kind of think of what you should be doing and, I'm going to try to do a little bit more riding this season and stuff like that on Jeff McConkey's bike. So uh, we're actually working on getting that to a place right now. I don't, I don't have a vehicle to pull anything. I've got a minivan uh, and, you know, and without a trailer hitch. So I'm in a bit of a situation. So I got to get uh, trailer hitch and stuff put on. But uh, you still get out quite a bit on your track? No, I haven't ridden this year yet. I rode a few times last year, which was good. Uh, at a YZ450. Um, this year, just springtime is just so busy here that I haven't had time to really go out and enjoy anything. Um, I did buy uh, a bike from Kim Hood, a 1980 YZ252 stroke about three years ago, and I got out in it once last year too, and I was surprised at how much fun I had riding the, that old bike out there. Put on as old a gear as I could find that still fit and tried to be retro. Uh, even found an open face helmet, wore that for a while. Hope that didn't hit my face. Um, but, uh, you know, if I can get on a handful of times and have some fun like put a, put a smile on your face you know what it's like you do two three laps and you're completely whipped and then you know the third time you're out you can do seven and you feel like a real hero but you're still tired um but if i can ride a street bike uh every so often and you know 
other than that, that's, that's my Viking. Nice. All right, Rick. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. And I also really appreciate your support for women's motocross in Canada and everything. And the out of the blue column we do here at Direct Motocross over the years, man. So I really, uh, you know, it's always fun to talk with you. Uh, I haven't crashed in your basement in a long time, though. So that's, uh, that's uh, I have to check that off the list again one of these days. Check out your new place. But anything you want to say or uh, anybody you want to thank or mention about the sport in general, anything, I don't know, anything you want to say while we have the airtime here before we let you go? Uh, just, just thank you, Billy. <laughs> no, it's, uh, um, you know, uh, it's nice to have, have some professional journalism in Canada, and I appreciate what you do. Uh, it's a lot of effort, a lot of work. Um, it's, it's hard to figure out what journalism is nowadays. Uh, anyone with a, you don't need a pen anymore. Um, and uh, someone that has the right questions and, and, and is in the right place at the right time to follow up on stuff. I appreciate what you do and the, the out of the blue column. Yeah, I might've come up with a name, but you came up with a push and Jeff loved it. Um, appreciate all the work he did with it. And, uh, you know, and, and Jensen's carrying on that. Um, on the women's side, you know, my feelings, I have always, I, I learned that years ago, first hired, uh, I think Amber Drew worked here, probably first back, uh, I won't say how long ago that is, Amber will be embarrassed, but it was a long time. Um, and uh, then Danae after that, and, and having women work in the, in motorsports and seeing the reaction of uh, families coming in when you're selling bikes to them and they're worried about it being dangerous and you point to the, you know, a Danae at the counter and say, you know, that's our women's national motocross channel. And you just saw, you saw the attitude change. And uh, that's kind of why I believe in some parity. We need to have both, uh, both sexes out there racing. Um, I got more women riding street bikes now than ever, and probably, probably in some categories more than men. And uh, trail bikes, and and a, you know, big part of the population. So I appreciate that push. And and again, um, yeah, carrying on the uh, carrying on the media tradition for you of uh, talking about motor, and that's important. All right, Rick. Well, um, any any uh, what's the number one thing on behind you there in the backdrop there? But what's the the best uh, piece of memorabilia you have there? Um, my daughter's grad pictures, probably. <laughs> my, my trophies are packed away in corners, and I don't have that many. Um, maybe some road racing ones, but I don't have a lot from Moto. But, uh, I don't know. We've got a couple of Yamaha awards over in the corner there, so I thank Yamaha for those. Like the, since Yamaha is sponsoring this round, we'll say, hey, Yamaha, thank you. All right, right. Now, speaking of uh, memorabilia, you're also doing this on a BlackBerry. You had to mention that, didn't you? <laughs> there's going to be five other people going, yes. And there's going to be everyone else going, what? I just, uh, I just like the thought. I just like the way it types better. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right. You know I think I just like being weird. According <laughs> to my wife, I just like being a little bit different than everyone else. Though. All right. Well, you know, I when I was a kid, hey, growing up, you, you know, all the other kids were playing stick and ball sports. I had a dirt bike. It was like, Three other friends had dirt bikes. Those are probably the three same guys that have blackberries now. Or <laughs> yeah, good point. All right, Rick. Well, let's let's uh, let's end it there. Just uh, again, like you said, there. Thank you very much to Yamaha for uh, for getting being behind our stuff that we do here at Direct Motocross. Schrader Motors, Schrader's out there. SchraderMotors.com. Make sure you check it out. Go say uh, say hi to hi to Rick when you're out there in Saskatchewan. Check him out online. And uh, man, good luck. And uh, hopefully, we see you somewhere at the races soon. I hope so. You know, hopefully there's some racing and, and you're passing through sometime and my couch or spare bed is ready. And uh, 
We'll see you soon. Okay, Rick. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Later. Erica. And of course, Claire is still in grade. Uh... Hey, what are you doing? Starting to record. Oh, you saw that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Bastard. Yeah. But I, I see my, my youngest isn't on the wall yet because she's going into grade 12 next year. So I've saved a little spot over there for her. <laughs> okay, this will be your outtakes at the end there. Let me, let's see the wall there. Come on. Okay. Oh, well, let's take a look at the shop. Okay. Take us for a look at the shop. Okay. Can I switch this around? No, probably not. Eh? Uh, you got you to just guess. Oh, there's Kennedy Lutz, number one jersey back there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there. Wall of shame. And, uh, um, yeah. Showroom, probably jerky. Yeah, it's all right. Look. Steel. <laughs> <laughs> or steel. I guess you have to say it with a German accent, don't you? Steel. Uh, moto area is still the moto area. Um, and, I don't know, street bikes, and then. world do you actually have a slingshot what do you have in there what was that uh vehicle yeah there's a slingshot in here <laughs> selling it for someone okay and the rest of it but actually with uh quite a few holes in the quad area because it's been it's been busy uh haven't really been able to replace everything that's the other thing we're going to run into is some of the companies aren't going to release product in June like they normally do. Um, I've heard, you know, usually mid-June you get 2021 moto and stuff. And I've heard that, uh, more stuff here. I've heard that uh, things might be delayed, might not be announced until September because there's some of the factories are shut down or slowed down. And yeah, might suck. <laughs>